In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Okay, you probably saw it already when you turned the page. And you are wondering whether or not it is worth the time. Today is the feast day of the Holy Trinity, and it is therefore the day on which we say that very long creed, attributed in name at least to St. Athanasius, who was Bishop of Alexandria in Egypt in the 4th century. So why do we say this particular creed on this particular day? Because way back in the 4th century, there were some folks in the church called Arians who taught that Jesus was not all the way God. They taught that Jesus was slightly better than you and me, but not quite so good as the Father. So Jesus, for them, ended up being something of a go-between. Not all the way human, and not all the way divine. Athanasius literally spent his life fighting against Arius and his followers. Athanasius taught that Jesus Christ was all the way human and all the way God, all at once. As we have learned to say in the Creed, Jesus Christ was homo usius, one substance, same stuff as the Father. That made it a tough go for Athanasius. In the course of his life, he was exiled at least five times. But eventually, Athanasius won the day when 300 bishops gathered for the first great ecumenical council in Nicaea in 325, and then later in 381 when another 150 bishops gathered for the second great ecumenical council in Constantinople. They all agreed that when scripture says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, they all agreed that when scripture said that, what it means is that Jesus Christ is one person with two natures. That Jesus Christ is one person but that he is fully God and fully man all at once. And it is that perfect God-man who died on the cross to save us. It is an embarrassing mark of weakness in the church today when every pastor thinks that he has the stuff to write a creed. And sometimes even writes a different creed for every Sunday. If you ever find yourself in one of these churches, you probably ought to flee. It betrays the arrogance of mediocrity. After all, if every pastor is a genius, then none of them are. There is not a pastor alive today who all by himself is smarter and wiser than all the bishops who were gathered together at Nicaea and Constantinople. We pastors need to learn humility that shows itself in following the ancient wisdom of our brothers and sisters in Christ who have gone before us. The bishops of Nicaea knew. The bishops of Constantinople, they knew as well. 
and Athanasius did too. Our God is too rich and thick and dense and beyond. Our God is too grand and too mysterious for us just to be popping off every Sunday as if we knew him through and through. This Sunday, this feast day of the Holy Trinity, is set aside specifically to confess that we do not understand our God and that we cannot comprehend Him. And what is more, that is good. What's the point of having a God you can understand? What's the good of having a God that is smaller than you are? You remember there's a place in the writings of Isaiah where he makes fun of people who chop down a tree and use part of the wood to build a fire to keep warm and part of the wood to stoke a fire to cook their dinner and part of the wood to carve an idol to worship. Isaiah knew it. If you are bigger than your God, then your God cannot help you. Against all of that runs the Christian church. And the confession of a God who is so far beyond us, the only way we'd ever know about him is if he told us. And so he drops down from heaven and does the craziest thing. He takes your flesh and your blood, and with your flesh and blood, he dies. This is the only religion in the world where a God is so strong that he will allow himself not only the weakness of humanity, but the weakness of suffering and death. This is the only religion where God dies in your place and gives that death to you for free as gift as a way to triumph over sin and death and to bring you back to himself in Eden. And that, you see, is what is being described in the gospel for today. Here is a God who loves you so that he drops down from heaven and he wraps you in his name. He wraps you in himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They come to you and make you and mark you as their own. Here's what we'll do, says Jesus. We'll make a disciple like we make a cake. We will take the ingredients and put them all together. You take your normal pagan, your normal unbeliever, and you make him a disciple by baptizing and teaching. Baptize once, says Jesus. It is an aorist verb. It's to be done one time. And the creed confesses that, one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. But then you're meant to have a lifetime of teaching. The teaching goes on from the point of your baptism to forever and ever. Amen. God is so rich, so grand, so large, there is always more to learn. And the church replicates itself, then you see, by executing all of this as evangelism by drawing more and more of those unsaved near. I hope you see the joy in that. It is the same joy for Israel, old and new. It was your story in the Old Testament reading for today when Moses writes in Deuteronomy about how the Lord came down to a people, those slaves in Egypt, those Israelites who were considered soulless, 
who were powerless, who were lost, who were fragile and sad and damned, countryless. But they were scooped out of death and slavery by an act of God, by a voice which spoke and a hand that moved, telling all of us who God is and what to believe, showing all of us how much he cares for us, wrapping all of us in his arms the way a father loves a child or a husband loves a wife or a God loves a church that is gathered to himself. So what? So you never go alone or unloved. With almost his last words, Jesus says what he says in the gospel for today. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's talk about space, heaven and earth. All authority everywhere is given to me. And lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's talk about time. So wherever you go in space and time, God is there and God is there for you. This is great news. This means that you are always safe, never alone and never unloved. There is no place you can go where Jesus was not there first to greet you in your misery, to stay with you in pain, to laugh with you in happiness and to extend your joy. There is no place you can go where Jesus was not there first. And there is no time when you are all alone. There is no time when you can say, I am forsaken. There is no time where you can fall into a sin for which he did not answer on the cross. There is no time when you can fall into a depression that is deeper than the Lord himself and his forgiveness. There is no hell which he has not already conquered. There is no hell into which you can fall where he is not already waiting for you. There was a day I was reminded of as Chad was baptized where Luther baptized a child and then looked up and said, you know, we haven't done this child any favors. And in a way that's true. We've made you enemy of sin, death, and devil. Uh, we cannot guarantee your life will be better from this day. But we can guarantee at least two things. One is that you've been baptized into a rich, magnificent, mysterious, beyond-yourself life. All of you who have been baptized, you have been drawn into a life of being disciples to a rabbi. You have been drawn into a life where you are to be given to teaching forever and ever. Amen. There is a richness and a glory in three in one and one in three that will last a lifetime plus an eternity. And there is also the protection of what this name does, this wrapping, this gift, this holy trinity that now surrounds you. There is this gift as you move through the world. It is protection against Satan and all evil that would come your way. It's as if Satan needs to move through a maze in order to have a go at you. It was, it was St. John Chrysostom who said, once a man or a woman is baptized and wears the name of the Holy Trinity on his head, it shoots out like lightning. And so if Satan should come to tempt you, he can never come face on. He's too scared to attack you face to face. He must always avert his eyes so that he doesn't see the name and come at you sideways.
It doesn't mean you will not suffer. It does mean that Satan cannot prevail against your baptism. All of this is out of favor now. Creeds, baptizing, teaching and learning, all of this is out of favor now. Ancient wisdom and thorough courage, humility and discipleship and obedience and church. All of this is out of favor now. But it is only a little cloud. It will pass. That is what St. Athanasius said as he was being chased out of town on his fifth exile. It's only a little cloud. It will pass. Saints know what they have, what they confess, what they believe. They know that all of these things are not always in favor. They even know that there never really ever was a golden age of ease in the church. But saints also know that all of this is worth fighting for. Because if you do not have a God bigger than yourself, you've got no God at all. And saints know that it is worth suffering for, this way of the Father, revealed to us by the Holy Spirit, in the person and work of His Son, Jesus Christ, saints know that this is worth suffering for, and it is also worth sharing. That the church's primary mission is delivery of the gifts, and so evangelism to those who do not know. And finally, saints know that every exile comes to an end. That Jesus was resurrected, and that Athanasius won the day, and so, even if you never see it here on earth, someday you will see it there, in a place where Isaiah tells us the angels never cease to sing, holy, holy, holy. Till then, enjoy the magnificent wrapping of the holy name. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.